0: I'm glad to see you here today and I if I encourage you to stay and join us for lunch. If you can't, okay, then you can't. But if you can stay and join us, we're going to do something this afternoon we've never done before. We're going to write our own psalm this afternoon. So, you need to be here for that. It'll be a short service this afternoon. It'll be a blessing. It'll encourage us and we'll work on it together and and uh, praise to our awesome God. So, take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Psalm 92. And while you're turning there, I'm going to share a note from Esther Wambua. Uh, Esther and Josiah are missionaries that we support in Kenya, and uh, Kenya has been a battleground. Uh, it's a difficult place to be. It was a peaceful city for years and years and years, and it's not anymore. Uh, the Muslims are attacking Christians and, and tearing up Christian churches. Uh, but our ladies here at Victory uh, stay in touch with the missionaries. They send them cards. They send them notes. Uh, we used to prepare packages to send them at Christmas. But the postage was ridiculous. And sometimes the packages never got there because the way postal things work in other countries and so we just started giving extra. So if you want to give to that, you can give extra to Missions Fund. We're uh, giving to help missionaries extra at Christmas time. We really appreciate them. And the holidays are difficult for them. Uh, now, Josiah and Esther grew up in Kenya, so it's not such a hardship for them. But some of our missionaries are thousands of miles away from family during the holidays, and, and they miss them. Um, and that's a good thing, by the way. If you're away from family and don't miss them, that's not such a good thing. But uh, Esther wrote, thank you for taking delight in doing good to my family, the Wambua's. We have received the birthday cards, Christmas cards, and all the gifts and finances you have mailed in support of God's work. Thank you, and God bless you, Esther Wambua. So uh, just thank you, ladies, for uh, helping us keep up with that and ministering in that way. What a a blessing that is. Psalm 92, what are the first words? It is good to give thanks to the Lord. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Uh, This psalm uh, says, at the beginning of the psalm, it says, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. Do you see that? What was the Sabbath day? Okay, it wasn't just Saturday. What was a Sabbath day for Israel? It was a day of rest, and it also became a day of worship. Uh, There are churches today that meet on the Sabbath. They have Sabbath school instead of Sunday school. Uh, Why did the church stop uh, meeting on the Saturday and the Sabbath and start meeting on Sunday? Yeah, Sabbath was a requirement for Israel. You you could not be a faithful Jew if you didn't observe the Sabbath. It began at six o'clock Friday evening, ended at six o'clock Saturday evening, and you had to refrain from labor, even cooking, uh, like. Thanksgiving dinner would not be allowed on the Sabbath. You had to refrain from cooking large meals, refrain from walking very far. If you lived too far from the synagogue, you couldn't even walk all the way to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Uh, So there were people who would go stay with family. They'd move in on Friday afternoon uh, so they could be there for the Sabbath on Saturday and then head back home Saturday evening or Sunday morning Uh, But in the early church, then after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they were no longer allowed in most of the synagogues, they started meeting on Sundays. In fact, Sundays is when they met and prayed and preached and taught and had Bible classes and gave their offerings, and they did all that on Sunday, and they called it the Lord's Day because it was the day our Lord rose from the grave. Now, some people like to call Sunday the Christian Sabbath. It's not, unless we're weird, because Sabbath means seventh day. Sunday can't be the seventh day of the week. It's the first day of the week. We celebrate the risen Lord. I think it's good to rest and worship on Sunday. We should. Uh, we had, uh, our kids had a mandatory quiet time of two hours on Sunday afternoon, when they were at home, you think, well, that's not much <laughs> in the greenhouse. That's a lot. It's hard for me to go two hours quiet. I don't even do that in my sleep, apparently. But uh, g- it's good to give thanks to the Lord. So here's the first thing we're going to think about uh, in this a song for the Sabbath day is you need to make time to rest and reflect. You need to make time to rest and reflect. Uh, Sabbath is not a requirement for the church, but God did rest on the Sabbath day, the seventh day, and He sanctified it and He rested. And uh, 2,000 years later, the law came. So God had already rested on the Sabbath day. Rest is an important part of life. Uh, We uh, are almost addicted to work. And so we have people who they work, they're 40 hours. And then what do they do after they work? They're they're working on this project, that project. Sometimes you just need rest. And Sunday is a day of rest and worship, and that is a blessing. I've read several books lately about people who have faced great hardships. And so we're supposed to rest and I mean, work and then rest and then repeat, and it strengthens us physically and physiologically and and spiritually. And so I've had some physical difficulties lately. My knee's not working well. Um, Who knows why? The surgery went really well several years ago, and I was doing fine, and then some days I'm not. Yesterday, we had a family picture. It was kind of fun. It was Kathy's parents. And their daughters and their daughters' husbands and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren all mobbed into one uh, picture. And <laughs> my sons had to hold me up so I wouldn't fall over. Uh, but we got the picture done, and that was good. And hopefully it'll look good even if I'm in it. But <laughs> i i thought about, you know, this is, an, this is awkward. How many of you, let's just be honest, how many of you live in significant pain every day. It's not embarrassing, not trying to brag, but just raise your hand. That, that's a fact of life. Now, some people who raised their hands weren't that old. I started having trouble with arthritis as a teenager. Some people aren't that old. Some of us, a lot of us who raised our hands are gray hair, but that doesn't mean it just started, does it? <laughs> uh, you, you can go for a long time, but I've been reading some books that really changed my perspective. Instead of a, woe is me, I've got all these problems and difficulties. Uh, I read two separate books by Holocaust survivors. Uh, they um, amazingly endured Nazi death camps. Uh, Victor Frankl and Martin Greenfield. And Martin was a 16-year-old kid and he didn't even know, because the family had been separated, His dad was in the same camp and was killed by the Nazis 10 days before the liberation. And Martin said, of all, there were thousands of prisoners in the camp. They were liberated, but more than a thousand of them died anyway because they were so malnourished. They couldn't respond and they, they didn't let, they got liberated, but they didn't live to enjoy it. Uh, I read Endurance, Randy uh, encouraged me to read that book on Shackleton's uh, Incredible Voyage. If if you've never studied that, that book is amazing. Uh, the book is called Endurance, it should be called Incredible. It's, it's amazing what they went through, and Randy and I were talking about it afterwards, and yeah, we, we can't fuss about our lives, can we? What those guys went through. Um, I, I just this week finished a book A Thousand Miles to Freedom by a girl who was trying to get out of North Korea and they tried to get out and they got caught and they tried to get out and they got caught and then they got into China and a very kind lady took care of them took them in their home, fed them offered to help them and then sold them yeah well they ended up in South Korea and have a decent life but it was a long road I read a book about the Marines in Iwo Jima. Well, I was a Marine and thankfully not in Iwo Jima. Uh, I, what those guys went through, it was brutal, even for Marines. And that, then uh, living in Russia when the Soviet Union collapsed. I had no idea. I knew there were issues and problems, and but wow, that, it was worse than I had had known. I read about a football player, former pro football player, had several severe concussions and and it did brain damage and he couldn't even remember being in his best friend's wedding. That memory is gone. It's he saw pictures with him in the wedding pictures, but he has no memory of it at all because of the severe concussions that he endured. I read about a Christian man who lost his wife in a brutal batter with cancer, and an Olympic athlete who was viciously tortured in a Japanese prison camp. While reading these books and then thinking of them, I took time to praise the Lord because the pain I endure is so much more tolerable than the pain they had to endure. And as we sang earlier and read earlier in Scripture, we didn't suffer alone. We have difficulties, but we also have Christ, and it makes a world of difference. Reading the sufferings of Paul, every time I feel like ministry's hard, I I think of the apostle Paul, and I read the book of Acts, and I think, I got it so much better than Paul had it. Uh, It's easy compared to him. I I read about Joseph in Genesis, and one problem after another, oh sure, we love the end of the story, but it took More than 20 years to get from the beginning of suffering to the joy of of being exalted. Uh, That's a long time. Some of you kids have not even been around 20 years. And imagine suffering that much for all those years. So what we need to do, this psalm is written for the Sabbath day. It's a psalm to cause you to rest and reflect on God. You need to take time You need to make time. You need every day to have a a Sabbath moment, uh, a moment in your day when you stop and you think about God's grace and God's goodness in the midst of difficulties. I encourage all of our Awana workers to do that before club and after club, not during club. (laughs) You can't get any time to think during club. Before club and after club, think of the awesomeness and goodness of our God. And then you need to develop spiritual discipline of focused worship. Psalm 92. Look at the beginning. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. We have done that today. We have given thanks. We have sung praise. That's good. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. So uh, the Sabbath would begin on Friday at 6 and end on Saturday at 6. But in the psalm for the Sabbath, he's saying we should focus on your goodness every morning to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. When you get around for bed at night, you need to, even if you don't get on your knees and pray, you need to spiritually get on your knees. You need to pray and thank God for the day. Not because uh, you have lived with God, with His presence. And what a blessing that is in our lives. Worship is not something... Okay, let me rephrase that. Worship is not just something we do in church. In fact, Kathy and I were at a church service and they had the music. And when the music was over... The song leader said, well, our worship time is over, and now pastor's going to come and preach. (laughs) We almost left. Who wants to hear a sermon that's not worshiping God? Uh, Worship is the whole experience in church, and worship is your whole life. Uh, Some of you are retired, you can worship God in your retirement. Some of you work, you can worship God in your work. Some of you kids are in school, you can worship God in your school, in your homework, in your obedience to your parents. You can worship God by the way that you live. You can worship God because you don't fall apart when life is difficult. You don't ignore it. You don't be Pollyanna. Oh, life is wonderful. It's great. Okay, some days are hard and difficult. And you say, oh, this is hard and difficult. But the Lord is with me. And he will strengthen me. And some glorious morning, these problems will be over. So we can develop the spiritual discipline of focused worship. One of the problems in America that in a lot of churches, worship is not about the Lord. Worship is about how the people feel. And so if the song makes you feel great, then it's really worshipful. We're supposed to be focusing on Him. If I am worshiping God, I'm not thinking about how Terry's doing. I'm thinking about how awesome Jesus is. A totally different perspective. So the way you work is worship. When you work, Randy, Randy goes and he works at the public high school. He's a band and choir instructor. And so in his choir music, he picks church anthems so they worship, right? He can't do that, actually. But he can worship on the job because he's... Thinking about the Lord and praying to the Lord and and showing interest in the kids beyond just how well they sing the note. Jeff Anderson, he's visiting here, Brunette's son-in-law. He brought a friend, and his friend brought his mom back with us. And Jeff drives a bus in Seattle. And he ministers to the guys on the bus routes, but he also ministers to the other bus drivers and encourages and straight... You can do that on the job. Uh, Jim Rocosi runs a snack bar at his job as part of the job. He also repairs trucks and cars for the military. Uh, but he, uh, he runs a snack bar. And he doesn't only buy candy that has the Jesus Loves You wrapper. But the way we interact with people makes a difference. In fact... The New Testament says you're supposed to work as if Jesus were your direct supervisor. Because he is. We do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. So that's true in our schoolwork. Kids, the way you do your schoolwork, the way you do your chores at home, the attitude you have is either worshiping God or not. Retired folks, the way you spend your day is worship. You can spend a lot of time thinking about reflecting God, or you can think about your woes and political disappointments. I recommend praising God. It's healthier. So develop the spiritual discipline of focused worship to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Verse 3 on an instrument of 10 strings, on the lute and on the harp with harmonious sound. No, there are churches that do not have musical instruments. And that's okay. It's not wrong to have them or not have them. It's only wrong if you say everyone should do what we do. If you don't want to have musical instruments and you just want people to worship with their voices, that's fine. If you want to have musical instruments, that's fine. Man, in the Old Testament, they had all kinds of musical instruments when they worship the Lord. Instruments should not be banned from church. But if a church decides they don't want to use them, that's fine too. Uh, <laughs> although I really, really appreciate having a piano play along. helps me follow the music a little bit. But the book of Psalms is a book of hymns. For two thousand years, the psalms were the only hymns that were sung. They were sung in Israel and they were sung in the church. And it wasn't until uh, more than a thousand years after Christ that hymns started being written that weren't just the psalms put to music. And in some churches, oh, that was bad. You are singing a song to God. Did you know the Bible actually talks about singing a new song to God? That's in the Bible. And so some of the hymns that we sing in our church are new. Some of the hymn writers that we sing their songs, they're still alive today. <laughs> I remember, uh, oh, brother, I guess I don't remember. Um, <laughs> who's the, the, the Christian group that he's done all kinds of hymns? And we have that, that friend of ours from high school was in his group. The Gaither group. I couldn't think of Gaither's name. So uh, a friend of ours was sang with Gaither for years and years. He had been a friend of ours when we were in middle school. Uh, and the Gaither, Gaither was in a church. He and his wife were at a church and they were singing. And this kid came up to him and said, Are you really Mr. Gaither? And he said, Yes. And the kid had the hymnal out and he said, Are, are you the one that that wrote this song?" And the guy said, yes. And he said, I thought the only people who could be in our hymnal had to be dead. (laughs) And Mr. Gaither said, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay to sing songs written by people that are alive today, as long as the songs are really worshiping God and not just celebrating the way we feel about worship. And it's fine to sing songs that are 200 and 300 and 400 years old. Because the truths of God's word don't change. If we have a song that's anchored to the word, it can be written last week or last century. And it's still going to stir our heart to worship God. And there's thousands of hymns being written today. You need to worship the Lord with music. You need to worship the Lord with music. You need to participate in it because that's part of what God wants. And in that glorious morning that'll be the final morning when we're all in heaven together and there will never be night again, we're going to sing praises to God. And you know, I believe our heavenly voices will be so nice that Jim Reeves and I will sing a duet and you'll like it. We thought about doing a duet and using it as a fundraiser to help raise money for missions and we would just charge people to leave. But you can listen to classical music and hear the way the melodies and the harmonies all fit together and realize God created music. People are writing it down, but it was God's creation and you can play Christian music and turn your heart toward God. Yesterday, we were at my in-laws and celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary, and the whole family was there. And so Kathy's sisters and and their kids and us and our kids, we all got up and sang, and they actually let me sing with them, just sing quietly over in the corner, Dad. Uh, But we sang, and they can sing. And We started out in unison and then it broke into four parts and I felt like I was part of a great choir and it just gave me a glimpse of being part of that great choir someday. And we worship God together. Music's an important part of worshiping God, but music is part of our worship. We worship God every day. Part of the way you worship God, it affects how you drive your car. It affects things you say. It affects things you do and don't do. Worship God. And uh, it, it says here in Psalm 92, do it with a harmonious sound. Okay, if we're singing in church and you're not very harmonious, then don't sing loud. But sing. Sing your heart out to the Lord. And then Verse 4 and the beginning of verse 5, rejoice in God's creation, for you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. Oh, Lord, how great are your works. When I was a kid, my mom was always telling me, take time to smell the flowers. I was always doing, going, moving, uh, and she would always tell me, take time to smell the flowers, just... Uh, uh, she wanted me to stop and worship God in the middle of my day. And I still make that a habit. We need to see the beauty of of God's creation and praise our God. (laughs) One night after church, we were out here and, and we didn't have the courtyard then. We were just out in front of the church. And remember those old chinaberry trees? And we were out near the chinaberry trees. We were looking off to the west and there was a spectacular sunset. Now, if you don't know, I'm colorblind, so sunsets are pretty, but to me, they're light or dark, you know? Uh, I don't see all the nuances of color, and so people try and help me. I don't see color, but they try and describe it for me so I can appreciate it. When you use words to describe color, it means nothing to me. Uh, I, I see grayscale. Uh, but they're out there and they're, oh, look at the beautiful golden hues and the pinks and the purples. Isn't it spectacular? What an awesome God. And one lady walks out of church, looks at it, and says, You know what that is? That's just pollution. That's dust in the atmosphere. She goes walking off to her car. And I said, I kind of like the way my wife views a sunset better than the way she views a sunset. Let's worship God. He's an awesome God, and we see His beauty in creation. Some of you remember who that was, and she's with the Lord now, so she'll never see another sunset, but that's okay. But uh, have you really looked at the things that grow in our world? Honestly, even mold, when you magnify it, is cool-looking. Now, when you see it in your fridge, not so cool. I understand, you know, has to be in a lab environment. But but weeds are even cool, the way they grow. Um, Watching things grow from obnoxious weeds to majestic redwoods to giant sequoias. God said, come forth, and they did. And they still come forth today. Because the voice of God spoke it into existence. You go out at night and you look at the stars and you're in the middle of a big city, you can't see the stars. Uh, But you get out in the country, you get out in the mountains especially, the air's a little thinner and if there's no lights around, the stars are spectacular. They feel like you could just reach out and touch them. And you see, one night I was standing out at camp (laughs) And I was looking up at the stars, we had some teen workers out, and it happened to be just teen all four teen workers that were out there with me were girls. I hadn't even noticed. I was just staring up at the stars, and they said, what are you doing? I said, I am watching shooting stars. And they said, we've never seen shooting stars. They were city girls. We were up in the mountains. And so they stood there with me, and we were just seeing one after another after another. And the one said, look at that one going straight across the sky. He said, that's a satellite, but it's okay. It's okay. Uh, And and then one of the other workers came walking up and said, what what are you doing out here with just these girls? I said, "Uh, I was looking up there, (laughs) worshiping God you you got to be awed by who our God is when you see His his beautiful creation. The really amazing thing is, this is under the curse. Imagine how awesome it's going to be when the curse is lifted and we have the new heaven and the new earth. You stand at the Pacific Ocean and it just goes on and on and on. It's it just huge and Every molecule was designed by God. And all the creepy life forms in there were designed by God too. And some of you eat those things. (laughs) That's weird. That's weird. As long as you eat it with thanksgiving to God, that's okay. okay. Get out and walk in God's creation. You say, well, I can't walk. Then get a wheelchair and have somebody push you. Enjoy God's creation. And if you can't get out of your room, then look at it on the television. Go to some nature show. Get get a computer and look at it on the computer. See pictures of God's amazing creation. And if you have a computer, you can also YouTube some of those really stupid cat videos, and those are fun too. But He spoke the universe. Into creation, God said, let there be, and there was, everything he said. Amazing, awesome God. Give thanks to this God to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night on an instrument of ten strings, on the lute, on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hand. Oh, Lord, how great are your works. He truly is awesome God. But we also rejoice in his word, the end of verse 5. Your thoughts are very deep. It's interesting that Isaiah says God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We cannot attain to them. And the psalmist says they're very deep because you can't get low enough to understand God or high enough to understand God except what he has revealed of himself in his word. Isaiah uh, praises God and rejoices in God, even though we can't fully understand God because God's thoughts are higher than his thoughts. And if it were not for God's desire to reveal himself, we could look at creation and say, this can't be an accident. This can't be just a big explosion, the Big Bang concept. Have you ever seen an explosion create something beautiful? Explosions destroy things. I do like what somebody said, I believe in the Big Bang. God said it and bang, there it was. (laughs) I kind of like that. But God chose to reveal himself to us. And and listen, he is not just awesome God. He is not just omnipotent ruler of heaven and earth. He is not just that guy. He is our heavenly father who loves us and cares for us and nurtures us and provides a way of salvation for us. God shares with us His joyous truths and His plan of salvation. We wonder how He could love us enough to let His Son die for us. How He could forgive so much when our sins were the very thing that caused Christ agony on the cross. But He did, because He's God who chooses to love humanity people like you and me. His thoughts are very deep, but we rejoice in them that he has chosen to share them with us. And you see, I believe that we can also even be thankful that there is a judgment day. Not because we want to see our enemies suffer, although verse 11 kind of sounds like that, Mine eye also has seen my desire on my enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. That's okay. He was expressing his heart before God and it's okay to express your heart before God, but it's not good to live there and stay there. We need to rejoice in God's graciousness that he will forgive other people, not just us. Uh, But... Mostly, we can rejoice in his judgment day because it proves that life has meaning. Life has purpose. Righteousness will be exalted and unrighteousness will be exposed. One of the books I read recently by Jay Krakauer called Missoula, I think, It's uh, rape in a college town, it's study of conditions in Missoula, Montana, which at one point was called the rape capital of America, and a city of 75,000, what a a name. But uh, in that book, he described the agony of what people went through, these poor girls, And how the legal system worked against them. And it made things easier for the criminals and more difficult for the victims. And it's nice to know that someday it won't be that way. Someday justice will be righteous. Because God will do it. And when we stand before God, the guy who got away with it for his whole life on earth is not going to get away with it in that day. And there's a little bit of comfort in that, that righteousness will be exalted and unrighteousness will be exposed. And so he writes here in verse number six, a senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. Uh, They don't understand who God is and they live in a way that displeases him. When the wicked spring up like grass, when all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. For all the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. And then he talks about exalting the righteous in verse 10. Judgment Day will show the righteousness of God and those who have followed God will receive the blessings of God and those who have rejected God will suffer. And it's just nice to know that someday the scales of justice will work and they will work perfectly. However, if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, they will work against you. Because in that day, God Himself will judge you on the basis of whether you received His Son or not. So we so often see the wicked prospering, we can become discouraged and even disillusioned. Oh, but there's coming a day when righteousness will be exalted, wickedness will be exposed, and consequences of wicked behavior will be devastating. Um, verse 12 talks about the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Palm trees grow from the inside out. And a palm tree can die on the inside before it falls over on the outside. But it, it's renewed by life from the inside. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, massive, sturdy cedars that could handle the storms. He will flourish in the courts of our God. Verse 14, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Some of you have gray hair. I notice things like that. I look in the mirror. But God says we can flourish even in our old age. Because we walk with the ageless one. Uh, Verse 15, to declare that the Lord is upright. You can declare. You can have a testimony to him. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. You can flourish. You can declare that all of your days. Uh, Amy Carmichael was a missionary. And at the end of her life, she had, severe, severe physical limitations. And it got to the point where she could not even get out of bed. She could just lay on a mat on the floor and people would come and sit with her and she would share with them the glorious truth and praise about our God. And believers would be strengthened and non-believers could trust Christ even though she couldn't move. She could give testimony to the awesomeness of our God. And there are medical people who've been witnessed to by people in this room. We didn't want to witness to them. We had to go in for surgery. And we had the opportunity to witness to them. And God brought our life and their life together. And we could speak God's truth into their lives. Listen, we can give thanks to God. It's a good thing. We have an awesome God, a great and glorious God who has a great and glorious future planned for us. Yeah, we may suffer a little longer on earth, but aren't you glad there's a day when pain will not be remembered, when sorrow will not have a place, and when we be in the presence of our Lord worshiping and rejoicing with him forever. What an awesome God. We of all people, of all the people on the planet, those who know God as our heavenly father, through Jesus Christ, we have cause to be thankful. So we're going to end this morning by singing a little chorus. Give thanks.